Let's pray for a minute. Father, we thank you very much for this morning. We thank you that on the last day of 2023, we're still here. We're still standing. You are still with us. You've never left us. This morning, we thank you, Lord. Lord, prepare our hearts to hear what you have in store for us. We are here. We are ready. We want to hear from you, Lord. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Family, you may take your seats. Good morning. Winter does not want to leave. Eh? Um, but yeah, I think I also prefer this weather. Not too cold, not too, not too hot. Family, as we stand on the threshold of a new year, I can't help but laugh at how 2023 was like that last scoop of ice cream that fell on the ground before you could even taste it. Yes, for most of us, 2023 has been a year that tested our patience. It tested our resolve. It tested our endurance. For some, 2023 was probably slightly better than 2022, but not as good as the good old days. It was always a bit of a conundrum for me. How do I determine whether a year has been good or bad? It's such a blanket approach. Of course, some bad things happen every year, and some good things happen every year as well. So how do I judge? I could say uh, maybe the year that I lost loved ones, maybe that was a bad year. But really, I don't know how to judge. So as we gather this morning on the cusp of a new year, I would like us not to do comparisons. I would like us to focus our minds and our hearts on the biblical principle of always having a disposition of gratitude. Yes, family, I'm not discounting the fact that we do go through tough times. But those tough times, those trials, those tribulations, those marathons that feel like they are only uphills, they are never downhills, God is with us. God is with us. So this morning I would like us to maybe gaze upon not the trials, but the triumphs. Not the pain, but the praise. You see, having a, a disposition of gratitude doesn't mean ignoring difficulties. It means seeing beyond the difficulties. Seeing God's steadfast love and faithfulness during those difficulties. We recognize that when we are going through the valley, through the dark valley, we are not alone. He is with us. In First Thessalonians 5, Verse 16 to 18, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and he says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. The message version reads as follows. Be cheerful no matter what. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God, no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. Never stop praying and be thankful. In all circumstances. Not only during the good times, but be thankful even during the bad times. No matter what. It is human nature and tradition to always say thank you when somebody does something good for you 
or something good to you. We teach our children, don't forget to say thank you when somebody gives you something. That is our human nature. In all cultures, it is good manners to say thank you when something good happens to you. More than just showing gratitude when good things happen to us, as children of God, we're instructed to be thankful in all circumstances, no matter what happens. The late Dr. Nelson Mandela once uttered these famous words, I never lose. Either I win or learn. That's quite interesting. I never lose. Either I win or learn. This indeed points to a disposition of gratitude. Looking and willing to be grateful and thankful when things go my way, but at the same time, looking to be grateful when things don't go my way. This goes against the very nature of our secular culture. Hearing someone saying, I'm grateful and I'm, ex- I'm embracing that hurtful experience that I went through. When was the last time you were grateful for failing a test? Or grateful for being robbed? Or grateful for bumping into someone's car? This is not natural, right? Imagine a sports team coach being grateful after a defeat. I can just see it happening. My kids are chief coach will be grateful every single match. But family, on a serious note, it is countercultural. But as children of God, it must be part of our DNA. What must be part of our DNA? Praying always and always be grateful, no matter the circumstances. I will still together, church. This morning, please allow me to go through a few accounts in the Old Testament of people just like you and me who in adversity modeled to us an amazing disposition or temperament of gratitude. Is that okay? All right. We will start with Job. Or as the younger people say it, Job. We will start with Job. Let's look at Job from chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen and female donkeys. He had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. God was very pleased with Job's integrity. Let's carry on reading from verse 8 to 12. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Then Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his, and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. 
but reach out and take away everything he has, he will surely curse you to your face. Hmm. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but do not harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Satan went and took everything away from Job. Now, here's a man who had every reason to curse his fate. He lost his wealth, he lost his health, and he lost his children. Yet, in the midst of all that immense suffering and confusion, listen to what Job says in Job 1, verse 21. This is after he lost everything. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job's response was born not out of naivety or out of denial, but out of profound recognition of the sovereignty and the heart and a heart cultivated in gratitude. His heart was cultivated in gratitude. The book of Job has 42 chapters. I encourage all of us to read it. The man really suffered. And he had some very honest and sobering conversations with God. I won't tell you how the story of Job ends. Please go read it for yourself. I was still together, church. Secondly, I would like us to look at the account of Prophet Jeremiah. He wrote a book of Lamentations as a poem. Lamentations means weeping, mourning, an expression of great grief. Why was Jeremiah grieving so deeply? You see, after the nation of Judah continued in their road and in their ways of unrepented idolatry, God allowed the Babylonians to take over Jerusalem. They took over Jerusalem, they looted it, and they bent it down. King Solomon's temple, which stood there for nearly 400 years, was also burned down. Prophet Jeremiah was an eyewitness to all of these things. In Lamentations 2 verse 17, Jeremiah is very clear as to why this happened. But it is the Lord who did this as he planned. He has fulfilled the promises of disaster he made long ago. He has destroyed Jerusalem without mercy. He has caused her enemies to gloat over her and he has given them power over her. But then Jeremiah carries on and sings praises to God. We read the following in Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. Through the Lord's mercies, we were not consumed. What is he talking about? Jerusalem is gone. The temple is gone. Everything they owned was looted. But he's saying, us, we were not consumed. Through the Lord's mercies, we were not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Jeremiah says, it is because of the Lord's mercies that we were not killed, that we were not consumed. Whatever bad thing that has happened did not finish us. We are still here because of God's Amen, church. We are still here because of God's compassion. I like it. I like this passage in the message translation. It reads as follows. 
God's loyal love could not have run out. God's loyal love could not have run out. His merciful love could not have dried up. They are created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got. Or rather, he's all I've got left. Regardless of my circumstances, Jeremiah is saying, I'm sticking with God. He's my hope. He's all I've got left. I have no plan B. I have no plan B. Hannah was another person who had no plan B. Do you remember the story of Hannah? Hannah's account is one of great distress turned into gratitude. She was deeply distressed because of, an, of her inability to have children. And she was being teased and provoked by her husband's other wife. Keep in mind, Hannah was the first wife. She couldn't have kids. After 10 years of not being able to have kids, the, wife, the husband married a second wife. And, she, and the second wife could have kids. So in her sorrow, Hannah prayed passionately to God, promising to dedicate her child to his service if God could just gift her with a son. When God answered her prayer, she bore Samuel. She responded with a powerful prayer of gratitude. Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving praises God's sovereignty and his care for the lowly the humble, and the needy. Let's read just a couple of verses from Hannah's prayer. We're picking it up from 1 Samuel chapter 2. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. There is no rock like our God. The power of the mighty is now broken. And those who stumbled are now strong. He will protect his faithful ones. But the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. For me, it's very, very interesting how the God of the universe, the God who created every single planet, the God who created multi-universes, he can still listen to heaven and he can still listen to us. Wherever you are, he finds you, he understands you, he knows you by name. Yes, he created the planets, but he knows you by name. That for me is amazing. You see, Hannah was in complete awe of God's strength, God's ability and God's faithfulness to answer the prayers of somebody as humble and as, as lowly as she was. This morning, church, let us be encouraged. Just like Hannah did, to trust the Lord to bring us out of our season of barrenness, whatever that season looks like for you. Pray, Bring your supplications to God and share with him what you are going through. Share with him your season of barrenness and trust that he will bring you to a season of fertility. Not according to your will, very important, but according to his will. And not for your glory, but for his glory.
Are we together, church? Lastly, I'd like us to look at the story of Joseph very briefly. The story of Joseph is a powerful example of gratitude and trust in God's providence through adversity. Sold into slavery by his own brothers, later imprisoned on false charges, Joseph endured great hardships. Yet he remained faithful to God. When he rose to power in Egypt and was eventually reunited, reunited with his brothers, he expressed a profound sense of God's handwork in his life. He saw God's handwork in his own suffering. He told his brothers this in Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God took their intentions, which was to harm Joseph, and he used them for good. And in that, from their evil intentions, many lives were saved. God's ability to be thank sorry, Joseph's ability to be thankful for God's plan, despite the calamity he experienced, models to us unwavering faith in God's plans. You see, family, there are plenty more accounts in the Old Testament and indeed in the whole Bible that show us, that model to us an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is an attribute that nurtures resilience. It's like a muscle that gets stronger every time you exercise it. When we choose to be grateful, we acknowledge that every single breath is a gift. And every sunrise and every sunset is like a painting. We also acknowledge that our very existence is sustained by a power much greater than ourselves. As Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 to 17 tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is not merely saying we must learn to say thank you all the time. He's saying let gratitude transform our entire being. Let gratitude transform our entire being. Let gratitude transform our hearts, our minds, our words, and our actions. This disposition of gratitude is not just a feeling. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle. It's a commitment to recognizing God's hand and God's presence in every situation of our lives. Regardless of the situation, we get to recognize God's hand. Imagine being able to celebrate God's presence in every season of your life. Being that aware, being that attuned, regardless of the circumstances. No matter what happens, you are able to see the tangible presence of God in that situation. Now, as we stand on the brink of a new year, filled with its own un uncertainties and hopes, let us anchor ourselves in the promises 
of God's blessing. The Lord himself instructed Moses on how to bless the Israelites with words that have echoed through the ages. The words we know very well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Number 6, 24-26. These aren't just beautiful words. These are powerful truths. To be kept by the Lord is to know security despite the chaos. Is to know his security despite 2023, despite what might or might not happen in 2024. The word keep means to exercise great care over you, to guard and give great attention. It is the fruit of God's blessing. The benefit of God's blessing is the safety. Because of the great love and care Jesus demonstrated to us through his death on the cross, we can enter the new year indeed knowing that whatever situation we face, we would have the full confidence to know that the Lord will bless us and will keep us according to his will. Are we still together, church? Amen. The second line of the blessing says, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. To have his face shine upon us is to experience grace even when we feel we don't deserve it. His face is not dark or hidden in shadows. It shines. And the result is grace. Free grace that radiates towards us from the brilliant, shining face of God. The last line of the blessing says, The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Church, not only do we enjoy the benefit of the shining face of God, even more, he turns his face towards us. He looks directly at us. Like mothers and fathers look at their children. He looks directly at us. He wants to see us. He wants to give us his full attention. If we let him. He's there. He's available. He's saying, receive me. If we let him. The results of him turning his face towards us is that we get peace. The Lord who lifts up his face upon us gives us peace. Things are well. Why are they well? Because he has made things well. We broke the relationship with sin. But God, who blesses us and who showers us with unearned grace, he has restored us back to him. Are we there, church? He makes things well. So, the Lord blesses us and keeps us. The Lord makes his, shine, his face shine upon us. The Lord even turns his face towards us. These three actions, church, result in our protection, our sins being pardoned, and us having peace. So, as we step into the new year, may we carry with us a disposition of gratitude. May our hearts be fertile ground for thankfulness. And may our lives reflect a profound peace that comes from trusting God's providential care for us. So in conclusion, family, as we step into the new year, let us carry on, or rather let us carry with us this disposition of gratitude. Let gratitude shape our thoughts. Let gratitude shape our prayers. 
let gratitude shape our actions. Let us be people who, like Job, can face the unknown with a spirit of praise. Like Jeremiah, can find reasons to be thankful, even in the sight of great destruction. Like Hannah, who can trust God in a situation where it appears there is no hope. And like Joseph, who can trust God's plan, regardless of the hardships the plan may require. As we bid farewell, church, to 2023, a year that has indeed tested us, let us embrace 2024 with a resilient spirit and a grateful heart. Let the tough times strengthen our resolve to see God's goodness and testify of God's grace. And let every challenge be an opportunity to deepen our disposition of gratitude. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Let's close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, as we stand here at the turning of the year, we thank you for your presence that has carried us through the tough times. We acknowledge that every good gift comes from you, and we choose to enter this new year with hearts that are overflowing with gratitude for your unfailing love. Bless us with wisdom to recognize your blessings amidst, amidst challenges and be grateful in all circumstances. Help us to cultivate a disposition of gratitude that reflects your love and grace towards us. Lord, as we step into the new year, may your peace reign in our hearts and may your light shine through us. We ask all these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you, Church.